guys. Welcome back to our final episode of Kinder... Oh, of the season, not Kinder Guys, guys. We're not ending Kinder Guys. <laughs> um, the final episode of the season. Wow. If it's your first time with us at Kindergeist, our goal is to create a space for kids to explore horror through fun, inspiring, and meaningful dialogue. We exist to help the younger generation embrace themselves for being different, break the stigma that horror isn't for kids, and to make a positive impact on the horror community at large. And today, we have a fun, inspiring, and meaningful guest. His name is Josh Rubin. Um, he's an actor, writer, producer, and director, like basically everything. He directed and starred in Scare Me, directed Werewolves Within, which is hailed by Vulture as the first or number one um, video game movie. He also directed Netflix Death to 21 and commercials for Geico, <laughs> um, Comedy Central, and Di- DiGiorno. <laughs> he's one of the founding members of College Humor's Originals team. Today we are chatting with Josh about his latest projects, A Wounded Fawn, which he stars in, and Blood Relatives, which he produced, and um, has a supporting role in it as well. We've been so excited for him to come on the show. Um, I remember when we were scheduling it with him, uh, Zakia, you were like, oh, but you're in Indonesia during that time. And I was like, I don't care. Like, I will wake up at 2 a.m. to talk with Josh Rubin. And that's the thing, though, because my body did not catch up with that. I felt like I was a little bit of a zombie, like I was present. But yeah, I thought it was really fun. He's uh, Josh is like super nice and super funny. The first time I got wind of his work was his film Scare Me, which he also starred in. And I felt like he would be a wonderful guest because while um, not all of his work is like targeted to to kids or even um, specifically for kids, I feel like Werewolves Within and Scare Me are great gateway horror movies. Yeah, it was actually very surprising that we were able to get him onto the the show because um, me and Auntie Nancy sees him as like this like amazing person who's just like we don't know if he's gonna come <laughs> but um in today's episode we're talking about uh blood relatives and the wounded fawn blood relatives is like a daughter father and daughter type of reconnection but in the supernatural sense because they're vampires i suggest you watch that one that one is personally my favorite and the wounded fawn is uh he plays the serial killer and it's about just having trust issues, basically. So you don't want to let anyone in, and what if they kill you? So, you know, it's pretty scary. Don't trust anyone like that. a huge problem. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you feel about uh, Blood Relatives? I feel like that's the safer option for kids to watch. It's unrated, um, and it's streaming on Shudder, but I feel like after watching it, it could be like PG-13. And it's like a very heartwarming story and the gore isn't too intense, you know, even though it is about vampires. And also it's like a Jewish horror comedy, which we don't see a lot of Jewish horrors. You know, it's usually about the Catholics. So this was really nice to see. Um, I feel like both of these movies were actually really cool. I just feel like I connect with uh, Blood Relatives more because of the Vampire Diaries, as you guys know. I'm obsessed with Twilight and the Vampire Diaries, so, like, literally up my alley anyway, so, yeah. I'm very curious about you, your opinion on a a wounded fawn. I feel like the blood was not 
bloody enough, but I feel like it was manageable for me to actually watch because I hate gore. Oh, okay. I thought it would be too much for you, actually, because I know you don't like um, any slashers. So I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should tell her to skip over all the, the gory parts. Well, <laughs> I kind of did, but I kind of peeked at some of the scenes. That ending, was the ending okay for you? I stopped at 125, like you oh, told okay. me to. Yeah, because it was basically him just like stabbing <laughs> himself. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe don't watch that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, oh, actually, another relevant thing was uh, I visited this uh, location called Lewang Suwu. Yeah. Supposedly, yeah, it's a cultural, like, historic landmark here um, that was... Uh, important because of when um, the Dutch took over Indonesia, but it's actually said to be haunted because they used to um, uh, unfortunately kill people in the basement area of that building. And we weren't even allowed... It's giving a wounded paw. But yeah, it was pretty dark and uh, we weren't even allowed to go to that area. It was like closed off. It, even I stepped like right in front of that doorway too. It felt like really intense just standing in front of it. Scary. Yeah, it had that bad energy. So I was like, oh, that's real. At least if you listen to an episode, we'll say we have like a listener from Indonesia. Like, t make your make your dad listen to one. <laughs> I know, <laughs> be right? Like, be like, you have to listen to this for an hour straight so that we have one listener from Indonesia. My dad doesn't even listen to the podcast. My mom does, though. Your mom is very supportive. Your dad, he's not listening, so it's like... He has a low attention span. I mean, I wouldn't want to listen to people talk for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. But his own daughter? But his own grandchild? What a shame. He's going to get... Uh, well, I'm going to make him listen to this part. Hello, Paul. I'm just kidding, Paul. I hope you're doing well in this <laughs> Okay, guys, so after that long talk about for the intro, um, I hope you guys enjoy our talk with Josh Rubin. He is very sweet and very, he's a very positive person. Bye, see you there. Entered Kindergeist, a horror podcast for kids and ghouls. <laughs> Hi, Josh. Welcome to the show. So, since our show is for kids and focuses on like our gateway to horror, what is your very first intro to horror? Uh, well, hello. First of all, nice to meet you and to be here. My intro to horror was actually uh, all thanks to my big sister, Rachel. She's nine years older than me, and she used to uh, let me watch scary stuff in her, uh, in her bedroom because she was the only one in our house for quite some time who had her own TV in her bedroom. So we had one in the living room, and she had one in her bedroom, and we would get cable um, uh, and back then, at least when I was growing up, like in the eighties, they would have like the Sunday afternoon movie or whatever would sometimes be like a scary movie. It'd be like Friday the 13th or something. Um, and so she let me watch like, you know, cable slashers that weren't as gory as if you went and saw them in the theater. Um, but it was probably like watching something on her TV in her room with her, whether it was the show, there was a show called Freddy's Nightmares that like Freddy Krueger was the host of. He was really big um, or like a Friday the 13th movie. 
probably something like that. But like the family movie was Jaws. That was the real, you know, the killer shark movie. That was that was the one where we we all enjoyed together. But the the real intense stuff I watched with, with my older sister. That's so cool. Did Jaws ever like scar you? Because um, I've met a couple people that have watched Jaws, and they definitely were scared to go to the beach and the water after watching that movie. So I'm curious. Oh yeah, we had a swimming pool. The swimming pool freaked me out. Um, even though I love to swim, the the ocean still to this day, it's like, you know, it's a little hard for me to <clears throat> get further than three feet back into the ocean. Oh, wait, I think I figured out how to do that. I can do video without. Hey, there I am. Oh, um, hi. <laughs> <clears throat> we did it. The ocean freaked me out for a little bit. I still I still kind of get that way, but otherwise not like scarred. You know, I, I, I love the water. That's great. Um, so moving on to about your article, um, that you've always like, were interested in werewolves. So like specifically, Mm. what do you love about them so much? Well, I, I love werewolves because, uh, and maybe this is too bang on the nose for, and I'm biased because of the movie that I made, but I really do think that we all have kind of like an animalistic side and we are all mammals. We are like human beings are, are animals. We do have survival instincts. We do have rage. We do have, um, I don't know, like a sort of uh, like animalistic senses that that uh, that come into action, especially when we're either in danger or when we get kind of like spidey sense about stuff. And mm-hmm. the werewolf is just the the primal symbolic representation of that side. So it's, it's almost like in a way one of the more, I guess all the universal movies have an element of humanity to them or the universal monster movies, but the werewolf is, I don't know. It's, it's the most fun because it it like represents our id, you know, like our um, truly primal kind of wants and needs and, and especially rage. You know, I think a lot of us like keep a lot of anger inside and we like present very politely to the world. And I appreciate the werewolf. They, they wear their, uh, they wear their feelings on their sleeves. (laughs) Or they're torn, they're very tattered sleeves, you know, because their clothes tore because they grew, you know, I don't know. Right. If I were to ask, what would you turn into if you wanted to become a supernatural creature? You would definitely say werewolf. Well, I'd want to turn into a werewolf, but I'd probably turn into a, like a very, very cute, but like greasy rodent, like a possum. <laughs> I'd probably just okay. turn into like That's a very... Yeah, like I'd probably hiss a lot and I'd be like a little chubbier than the other creatures of the woods or whatever. Like maybe if I'm lucky, I'd turn into one of the, what are those things in the Princess Bride? Like the the things of, uh, I don't know, oh. Eternal Stench. I can't remember. It's just a big, a big human rat, human sized rat. <laughs> wow, we never got that before. That's definitely a first. Oh, I'd turn into a really cool flying gargoyle. <laughs> you know, I'm probably too popular. I'm actually uh, trying to get a Zakia to. Uh, over the side of werewolves because she's too committed to vampires that she feels like they're against each other. <laughs> I was too. I, I don't know what it was. When I was a kid for Halloween, the key, I don't know about you, but I was a vampire like every year. I like always, really? we had these like plastic teeth, even like dentists would hand out, you know, the really like cheap ones with little fangs in the top yeah. and bottom. <laughs> and I wore them every Halloween with a cape, however I possibly could. Yeah. I, I, so I get it. And my mom showed me a lot of like, let me watch, I should say, a lot of Hammer horror films, like a lot of Christopher Lee um, Dracula movies where the blood was more of like an orange-red color, so it wasn't super graphic and it wasn't too scary. 
But then you go back and watch it. Maybe not the most appropriate thing for kids. But then again, I was watching <laughs> Freddy Krueger's TV show. So what do I? Yeah, I love vampires. Vampires are pretty cool, to be honest. Uh, we had a, a couple guests come over, and uh, they would definitely choose werewolves over vampires. And I would be so confused. I'm like, um, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, but since you are obviously in the horror industry, and you've, I'm pretty sure you've seen all of that already. Um, what? like makes you scared oh man well to these days it's people these days it's uh it's a lot of i'd say angry men i think angry men. <laughs> angry angry white men kind of freak me out uh a lot of angry white men tried to overtake our country recently and it scared the bejesus out of a lot of us especially people like me uh yeah i i think uh I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know how else to elaborate. I think like like scary white men, like 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 older du- dudes who just spend too much time on the internet, just reading stuff that isn't true and just believing it, and then just like you know putting on like knee pads and just going to do something real stupid. That's what freaks me out. Scary. But also sharks. Yeah. Oh god, no. But yeah, old white men who kind of like yeah. have the power to just like, you know, do contort everything into certain things on the news and just go out there. You know, I understand that completely. Are you yeah. scared of that too, in general? Uh, like what if you see them in real life? Like, well, I mean, you know, Hey, I, I'm one of the, I don't want to say I'm an old white man, but I'm uh, about <laughs> to be 40. So to you, I'm very ancient. No, I think for the Not most part, this is the, this is the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I think you you are. For the most part, I think there's good in everybody, and a lot of like face to face, real like listening will calm everybody right right the heck down. Um, but there's a lot of people out there, men, women. Um, I think every every person, every demographic wants to be loved and listened to. And there's, there are certain, what happens is I think there are kind of instances where people um, don't feel that way or feel isolated from their fellow human and find companionship in very dark places. And that, that I think that does scare me. And then that becomes like a mob mentality. And then that's scary. Um, So for the most part, I think what I, I present, I've learned to present very confidently to the world and also to like really listen to people and not be condescending or not um, be too you know passive aggressive when I am angry just to kind of say hey what do you mean by that that kind of hurt my feelings and really like listen to people and give people the time and I think that kind of disarms people like wait what you really you want you want to know you want to talk about it um, because it's very easy especially living behind screens and stuff to. To just be mean or to just like, you know, hey, going back to the werewolf thing to just be our, our little our little evil werewolf selves and just let our rage out in the chat room or, you know, and <laughs> I don't know. What do, what do people do? Prank calls on them. I was curious. Have you ever had a hater online? Oh, my like, goodness. Makes sense? Yeah, but you know what? You know, it's funny just to t- going back to the whole listening thing. So there, there was the whole... There was the Me Too movement where a lot of women um, were sort of coming forward talking about, you know, especially their abuses. If we're talking about like, you know, the white dudes of the world. We're getting real deep, Zakia, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> good. We should have adult conversations. But this is, this was, I think this was kind of a, a, an amazing thing. It was one specific hater 
that came out and was just coming at me and coming at me because I was just sharing all of the, there's a lot of women in my circle who had some abuse and were being very brave and sharing their stories online and such. And I was one of the few men in my circle who was sharing and sharing and sharing or reposting what they were saying and saying, this is wrong and stuff like that. And it was one guy who was just did not like it at all. Just like very crappy about it. Called me, you know, all kinds of awful names instead of fighting back with words. But I did was like, Hey, it seems like, you know, I said something effective, like, Hey, uh, like hurt people, hurt people. And, uh, you're saying very hurtful things that are hurting my feelings. And I just want to check in with you just as a fellow human being. Are you okay? Like, and if you, and if you're not okay, you can talk to me about it because I know what it feels like to be hurt. I mean, I do, but I don't know what it feels like to be hurt. Like that bad, as bad as, you know, insulting me, the stranger. And he gave me some, like some nastiness. And I just kind of said, okay, well, good luck to you. And if you ever need anything, you, you know where to, you know, you talk to me, you come right to me. You've been messaging me. You clearly know where to find me. And not, but like two months later, he messaged me and said, Hey, I just want to thank you for taking a second to tell me that I could talk to you because looking back, I actually, what I did was really bad and I was super crappy about it in so many words, using many euphemisms with you. Um, and, uh, I appreciate you telling me that you were here to listen to me basically. And uh, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I know what it's like. You just kind of lean in it. There are so many people that just don't understand it. And I think unfortunately a lot of boys are brought up not to emote and not to be listened to and to provide and to be tough and to not cry and all that stuff. And if we can kind of change that mentality, we can all just, we can, you know, all just live far more harmoniously but that that was a really nice that was a really nice kind of instance where it's like wow it really is like listening can and listening with love can like kind of eviscerate all that stuff yeah it's crazy what you could do when um you're kind to other people although that they're hating on you so i feel like that was a really big thing to do and i hope that the listeners um of this episode are actually like taking this into account that like you shouldn't keep on hating on someone who's hating on you. You should just give them comfort and make yeah. sure they feel listened, you know? Cause like things like mm-hmm. that can happen. Like they come back and they apologize. It just takes time. And I feel like people just need to communicate, which I'm th- thankful for like that you did that and you were very mature about it. Yay. Oh, thank you. And you're so mature to, to, to say such a thing and to acknowledge it. I, I mean, I think, um, Yes, I, I think listeners should just try the exercise of when attacked. It's okay also to say like, whoa, like that really hurts me. Like, first of all, wow, that really hurts me. And try not to use like you statements. Like you must be a such and such. It's like, wow, that what you just said really hurts me. And I, I, in my experience, when I've been hurtful, that means that I'm actually feeling really hurt. Are you hurt? Are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? And I think people will just be like, Johnny five, totally short circuit. Like, whoa, wait, what? And, uh, and I think that's, I think that's the move and it's okay to like use your, if the initial, like my initial feeling is anger or defense, you know, that I want to put it right back. It's okay to use that, to put that into sort of saying, Hey, that hurt me. What the heck? And that makes me really scared for you. Like, you know what I mean? Just kind of to, to, to be firm about it. Um, but yeah, I think we should all 
just just try the exercise, you know, before we before we go right back to internet troll nastiness. <laughs> I think I should have used that because yesterday I posted on my Instagram story, like, because I'm actually deciding to make my own podcast on my own. And I was like, hey, guys, let me know if you have any ideas for what I could do with my podcast like what you guys want to listen to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So there's this mm-hmm. one kid from my school that like split up and he was like, no one's going to listen to that. And then uh, mm-hmm. I was like, are you sure? I already have a podcast though. And I have a lot of listeners and um, he goes, that's very cringy. And I just left him on scene. So like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's there's best just to just walk away like too, that. and not give them even the attention. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I was like, that's not worth it anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not, sometimes it's just not worth your time. It's like, okay, okay, cool. Appreciate the opinion. Bye. Right. Like, yeah. Not give them the time of day. Um, mm-hmm. Auntie Vance, yeah. do you have anything to ask as well? No, I just wanted to add that, um, like for you, like Zakia, you've been, cause we actually did YouTube videos together when she was like six. Cause she loves like YouTubers. And then I think she faced kind of like a little, also kind of like fellow kids that would make fun of her just for being creative. And it seems like this is a pattern, um, which is really sad. So it is. Yeah, it absolutely I, is. And uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, sorry. I was just wondering how you separate, like, although being an actor and really cool mm-hmm. person in general, how do you, uh, or I don't know if you faced this before, but have you ever like set apart your friends or classmates or just like, um, people in general from your passion because you're scared to feel judged in a way. I might need you to rephrase that question because uh, okay. are you asking if I? Um, oh no, it's okay. I I'm also just like basically just waking up. Uh, <laughs> do you mean? Do you mean have I had to close the chapter on certain friendships mm-hmm. for my passion or like people like like envy or jealousy like that kind of thing? Is that what you're asking? Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I used to work with someone very, very closely for many years who started to feel kind of, I don't want to say offended, but maybe, um, maybe kind of cramped by the fact that I didn't just do the one thing with that person. But I also did many other things. You're not just a podcaster. You're probably also a writer and you're probably also have all kinds of passions. Um, but this person, it'd basically be like if I was like, you're only going to do this podcast with me and it would be a betrayal if you ever were to do it because it's going so well. Right. So it felt kind of manipulative and felt like kind of cramping to me. And so, um, there were all kinds of ways that relationship was making me feel. And the funny thing is that this is a big lesson I learned as I got older was, wow, sometimes you actually have to, even, even if it's not about work, it could just be a personality thing. You have to, it's a really interesting thing that happens where you have to like close a chapter on a friendship, even one you've had for a long, long time. And sometimes that friend will come out of the woodwork and say, you know, like be kind of weird to you because you have a podcast with a lot of listeners or in my instance, it's like, because I'm, you know, whatever I, I do videos that get some followers here and there, or I made a movie and stuff. And now I think the older I am, the less friends I quote unquote need, you kind of realize it all comes down to how you feel when you're around certain people. And like, you know, like my wife and I just got married and we were like, we only want to be able to look around and see everybody who makes us feel really, really good. We don't want to, we don't want to have to invite that arbitrary friend even 
that makes us feel kind of icky. Um, and some families won't allow that, but like we, we were able to keep it pretty small and decide like, we want to look around and feel really, really supported and loved. And the same thing should go with your friends. It's like, do I feel really exhausted when I hang out with my friend because they keep asking me questions about my podcast or is acting hard? I mean, you must be really exhausted. Um, I could never do that. It should all be supported. Like, wow. It's just so amazing. Hey guys, Zakia does this. Zakia, do you want to talk about, you know, it should be very supportive. Um, and it takes a little while to kind of figure that out. But anyway, that's a long, that's a long way of saying like, that was probably the only instance where I noticed it in a big way. Oops, because maybe because I was, you know, working very closely with that person. It's like the lessons that we learn from life is quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, you've got it. a lot to learn ahead. It's going to be quite a ride. I'm sure. I mean, I'm waiting like for the obstacles. Yeah, it sounds like you can handle it, though. A lot of people say I'm mature for my age, which I don't think so, but. <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Maybe we should lead on to the rest of the questions I have for you. Okay. So, yeah. as you know, <laughs> as you know, I, that was a monumental tangent. <laughs> yeah, we were literally talking about that, I think, for like 10 minutes straight, which is like a really yeah. good conversation. Um, yeah. But since I'm in like my first year of high school now, I have to like juggle so many things with like academics and volleyball and podcasts, you know, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. um, how do you like, as an actor, writer, producer, director, manage your time so well. My guess is it's probably easier for you because right now you have a set time where you have to do, say, school and have to do volleyball or where there are set times that rely on other people. And then the, the personal routine time or the personal business time has to do when you feel like you have the like filled up the well enough you have the energy to do the extracurricular stuff. And by that, I mean like, beyond school um the free time the free time passion work whether that's the weekend or right now when you're you know you're off school for me <clears throat> i'm fully freelance so i i don't know i i'm basically running a small business and so i think that i think the way to kind of to mount um a life like mine where you have to make sure business is coming in as you treat every day like a job this week i'm not this week is in between the holidays and new year i'm playing a lot of video games i'm reading a little bit i'm just kind of lounging to kind of fill myself up before i have to go you know catapult like we all do into the new year with energy and deals and all kinds of stuff so for me i think the most important thing is treating treating every day, every, every work day, even though you work at home, like a job. So from, for me, it's pretty early. It's like from, I'd say eight, 8 AM to 3 PM, let's say is definitely work time. Um, with like a little lunch break in between, you got to treat every day like that eight to three, eight to three, eight to three with like a little exercise to make sure you also put away that time, uh, put away your screen. Um, so always make sure you're, you know, at some point making an effort to like move your body. So sometimes every other morning I'll go hike with, you know, my very good friends and we'll like make sure we, so that the rest of the afternoon we get to do some work, but it's just, it's just treating every day like a, like a job. I hope to be like that someday where I'm just, you will. And <laughs> I'm praying, but I did. I, so I had a trip. I went to UC Berkeley over well, like a couple of days ago, I think that's why I got sick. Whoa. But like, I feel like that eye opener of going to UC Berkeley kind of like made me 
more motivated to do actual school schoolwork when I go back into the semester because I kind of like slacked off of my assignments because I was just like so done and drained with school. Yeah, I hope to be like that someday, like you. It's pretty cool. I th- I feel like I I know that you can because I think the whole workforce is moving in the direction of the entrepreneur of being able to like work from home and balance that, that life work balance thing. So I, um, I don't need to pray for you because I know it's going to happen, but it's, I'm sure it's going to happen for you. Like Zacchaeus like so like uh humble because my mom would make fun of me because she was, she'll be like, Zacchaeus is so responsible and has all these extracurriculars. But when you were her age, you weren't doing any of that. So <laughs> I think you're doing great. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Your mom is so funny sometimes <laughs> i didn't even know she said that oh my god i am trying so hard yeah um I believe it. Oh, thank you okay so are we ready to move on to blood relatives sure let's do it it's like a, a jewish horror comedy blood relatives uh he produced and mm-hmm. acted in it which was very cool and i think this is is it rude if i say that is my favorite one out of the two no oh my god you didn't watch okay. the other one i hope I actually watched it ahead, but I marked certain areas that I felt like she should pause and skip over. I can't believe you watched a wounded fawn, but the director. It's not that bad. Uh, no, it's like yeah. Hey, I saw I saw movies like that when when you were when you were a kid. Maybe not with certain parts. I mean, I feel like we've all like, hey, that's how I got into horror. Was like for me, find those VHS tapes and be like, wow, that's intense. But. Um, yeah, <laughs> but no, it's not rude for you to say that Blood Relatives is your fave because it's it's uh, it's great. I get it. It's it's got an awesome woman protagonist. It's a daddy daughter love story. It's got a little bit of vampire gore, but not too much. It moves. Yeah. It's a quick one. Yeah, I feel like the reason why I felt so like attached to it and like I kind of was like moved by it because it was very similar to a series called The Vampire Diaries. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and I feel like the main character, which is his father, he looked like Ian Summerholder, which was also the main one of the main characters in the Vampire Diaries. In so I was like, oh yeah, and like they have like the same abilities as vampires in like the series and the movie. So I was like, yeah. hmm, that's kind of interesting. That's fine. Um, but you acted the character. Uh, Roger in the film and also produced it. Um, since our audience are kids, how would you describe what a producer does? Ooh, great question. Well, um, a producer is basically someone who can say yes to the director when every challenge is presented and basically is like a problem solver. It's the producer is the problem solver that makes the movie happen any way they possibly can. So there are all kinds of producers. There are some that like kind of help run the business of the movie, like literally take care of all the paperwork stuff and the contract for the actors who come aboard and make sure people are paid. And then there are what are called creative producers, which is more of like what I was doing, um, helping direct Noah, who is not only the act, like the lead actor opposite Victoria Morales, but also the writer and the director. So when he was on camera, I got to like help direct him, offer some creative solutions, creative notes, um, and also in this case, it was introducing Noah to some actors, specifically Victoria Morales, 
um, to play his daughter because I had just worked with her on a movie called Plan B. Excuse me, my friend Natalie had directed. So there's a whole spectrum of them, but it's pretty much the you know the the problem solving agent who can get the movie made. That's what a producer is. That's cool. Actually, I didn't know there was like a creative way of you could of you doing it. I didn't know that it was like that when you shot yeah. the relatives. I thought it was like more of a like a very 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 serious job, like this this yeah. this. Um, it's a very but- serious. Yeah, it's a very. Uh, um, uh, oh gosh, it's a it's a very creative job, um, but some aspects of producing just by nature of what a film is and what it takes to make a film because it's so many people. It just it feels like like a business. It's, it's, it's very official. But on the whole, it's creative because you're telling a story. You're helping get a story made. It's actually a really uh, well-spoken for, uh, description of a producer because whenever somebody asks me that, I'm like, well, it depends. <laughs> and they go into like this. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, it, 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 it took me a while to figure out. I was like, wait, what did, what did they do? And there's a lot of different kinds. And now it's like, I understand why there's sometimes like 15 of them on one movie, on like a bigger movie, you know? Yeah, so very well uh, like broken down, especially for younger people to kind of understand it, yeah. Yeah. So as an actor, how do you uh, play the role? Like how do you get ready for your lines and shooting? Ooh, that's a great question. As an actor, I get ready... Well, for my for my lines, I'll just read them and read them and read them and read them. But the the way they typically will burn into my brain for good usually is if I read them with someone else. And so if I have the downtime to read with the other actor, we'll usually read them, you know, just kind of refresh them if we've sort of memorized them by ourselves. We'll run them as we're getting our makeup done, you know, when we're next to each other before we're about to shoot um, <laughs> for the role. Uh, it depends. I mean, for the comedy stuff, like for Blood Relatives, it was a lot easier because I used to do a lot of comedy. I still do some comedy. And so that just felt like a character, almost like a mask in my like closet of masks or closet of characters that I just kind of put on that felt like one that was kind of easier for me to play. Roger was. And then for the other one, for Wounded Fawn, in the instance of that, it was seeing how grounded I could be without getting caught trying to be funny, without like going out of my way to do things that were too goofy or too silly, even as the movie kind of got more crazy. That's so mostly cool. just learning your lines and, you know, being a, being like collaborative. Mm-hmm. That's do, it. do you have a photographic memory? More so a photographic memory than a textographic memory. I see. I see. <laughs> I, uh, on that topic of like the type of characters that you play. I, and then also going back to you talking about white, men problematic white men yeah the the movies that you um the characters that you play and also your tiktok which is a very fun and hilarious like you play these like these characters that you speak of like what uh, kind of attracts you to embody them well i think i think uh you know i'll mention this when people ask me why comedy guys or comedy people i say guys because recently barbarian and Smile mm. and Nope were directed by three men who have comedy backgrounds, Jordan Peele, Zach Kreger, um, Parker Finn, actually maybe the only one who doesn't, but there are other, um, other directors, even John Krasinski who did A Quiet Place comes from the comedy world. I think as a comedian, there's an ability to, or kind of an extra edge we have in wanting to, in holding the mirror up to society and being an observationist in finding characters in life 
that drive us crazy or that amuse us. Um, like for me, I do a character on TikTok that, you know, it's just uh, men interrupting women coworkers on Zoom because I've heard it so many times or seen it. Like, guys, we have to talk. Uh, so, sorry, excuse me, Sandy. Like, let's just quickly say like it's like i i love to i want to call that out and kind of make fun of it because that it's so ridiculous it's so terribly funny to me because it's so excruciating Uh, and that's just what us comedians kind of have to do and so i think there's kind of an observationist element to being a filmmaker especially as a a comedian but certainly with like what i do where it's partly therapeutic but also just it's that thing in our genes that we have to do yeah, and there's such a natural relationship with uh, comedy and horror. So d- did either one come first for you? And it just seems like it was natural that you came to combine them? Well, horror horror was my first love. You know, my sister <laughs> Rachel introduced me to everybody. Comedy was my first sort of paycheck. You know, comedy <laughs> was like my first business. And College Humor was at least seven years of, of doing um doing comedy videos. And then horror was, I started to realize, especially around the era of Me Too, and knowing at the same time that I wanted to write my own film um, and make my own film and that no one was going to make it for me, that I had to do it myself. That's how tough and privileged and ridiculous the movie industry is, or you have to be to break in in any way. It's like, well, I guess I got to pool my resources if I have any to like make it to make a splash to be seen. And if I'm lucky, be seen. Um, I realized that horror was the best way in because financially, they typically do have a return. The horror community is very kind of forgiving and supportive of horror movies of all sizes. There's this movie Terrifier 2 about the killer clown. They shot mm-hmm. it for $250,000 and it's made well over $10 million at this point. Uh, with my love of horror grew and grew over the years as I was a working you know, comedian and, uh, and I knew that was the way I wanted it. And now I just want to make more of it. I think now I'm more interested in the science of how I can make a really, really good horror Lovely. Still making people laugh, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. Very lovely. lovely. <laughs> I like that word. So, uh, how did you and Victoria approach working on your scene together? Like, is it kind of creepy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's creepy <laughs> Victoria scene. was so funny because on Plan B, uh, I played a character who was also like creeping on her and was creepy to her. And she, if you saw Wounded Fawn, you can see Plan B. Maybe, maybe, maybe at some point, um, it's on Hulu. Uh, it's it's really cute. Victoria was great. In that. I mean, for for playing that role, the the biggest thing for us was just like trying not to laugh, um, to get through it because it was so silly, and we love working together. But we just approached it by like you know running the lines again. Like I think she she loves to rehearse for, to to my recollection. So we ran the lines and ran the lines, and then we just were able to just throw it away and just get in there and just play. She's an amazing actor, actress, too. She's amazing. Okay, we can now move on to A Wounded Fawn, um, in which oh. plays a serial killer. And uh, we do have to warn our audience that this film is technically isn't appropriate for kids, so just ask your parents about it first. I didn't ask my parents, I just watched it. Yes. I mean, what can we do? I already did it. <laughs> uh, I yes. enjoy this amazing. movie a lot as well. It was really cool. So I just wanted to like mention, do you know Cigarettes After Sex, like the band? Because yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the, I was like, list, like in the first few scenes when she got home, that's when it was playing. And I was like, wait, I think I know that song. Whoa. And I was like, mm. and I thought it was like, okay, this is going to be a really good movie. 
because the song is playing. So it's like, oh my god, and, and with a band with a band like that, yeah, obviously. So um, it was really cool. I was just like, oh my gosh. Um, oh, so, you know that band, and I don't. It's just, uh, no. I mean, I do, I do, I do. This is a movie. Uh, how did you prepare to pr- portray a serial killer, like mentally? This role in particular, this is another form of the kind of like the, say, narcissistic male character that I love to make fun of. So we're on one on one spectrum of it is like TikTok, you know, dudes like interrupting women. This is uh, I'm playing a know-it-all. I'm playing a narcissist. I'm playing someone who's full of himself and has a self-aggrandizing kind of narrative about his own life. So for me, it was like kind of mimicking, mocking and embodying those types of dudes I know who like to go out of their way to over articulate, I don't know, certain vocabulary words to be, I don't know, heard and to show off. And that was, that was basically it. Beyond that, it was, again, it was like not doing anything to go out of my way to like be funny, which would actually be very grounded and to be very like um, unaffected in a weird way by the weird stuff that he was doing and not, uh, and the awful stuff that he was doing to make it feel normal to him or to make it feel like an everyday thing. That was the challenge because that's what's so scary about it is, well, yeah, no, it's totally normal for me. I'm going to, I'm going to murder you now. So obviously, you know what I mean? It's a, they play playing in that kind of grounded, that grounded way, I think is the surefire way to, to, uh, portray a serial killer. So I'm guessing you hate your sister as well because it's like a serial killer. So like have like a hate love relationship, right? With your character. Uh, I, I didn't hear the very, very fir- the earliest part of the oh, question. Oh, sorry. Um, I said, do you have like, do you hate your character since he's a serial oh. killer? Uh, no, I don't hate him. I, I mean, I I wouldn't want to meet him in in real life, <laughs> but I I I don't. I also don't want to be one of those actors who's like, no, I don't. I love every character that I play, and I I, I don't I don't hate that person. I feel uh, empathy with them. I don't necessarily hate him because I I. I maybe loved playing him and loved playing him terrorized in the spectrum of him as a person being terrorizer and bully to bullied and terrorized. That makes sense. I see. So related to your character and going back to your TikTok, you like to portray and make fun of men. Um, where you have such a mansplaining and like the indie movie guy who wants to get pregnant. What interest? interest you about portraying the worst sides of men oh my god i mean it's because it's just so excruciating in real life i mean i just have to make fun of them because it's the only way to make me feel better about the fact that they exist i mean zakia (laughs) (laughs) it's like therapy it's like i have to i have to make fun of them i don't know what it is it's also just like the gene that i have it's like why i had to make jokes in class as a child, it's the same right? It's the same DNA I have about like I have to skewer that man. It's not right. And in, in the comedy court of Josh Rubin, I have to. It's very entertaining, anyway. So it's like, oh, thank you. So I much. mean, <laughs> yeah. I hope that actual old white men don't get offended, though. Like, I'm sure they would, but like, oh, they will. Right. They totally will. And I'll get. They're all going to come. They'll be like, you talk so much about how. 
protect yourself like a uh, mental health wise when you portray like these darker characters well uh i think it would be one thing no no character i've played to me has been well yes they, 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 i've played some dark characters but uh like the combination of the playful set or the collaborative nature of travis and and sarah as an example sarah who i played opposite who played meredith and moves on i'm not doing anything in these movies that i like haven't seen before in thousands of movies as opposed to like i would never do this kind of movie anyway but someone who would like hurt an animal which is so funny that like it's like oh my god so oh but i can hurt a human being that's fine like oh my god an animal an animal or a kid and you know they're very very sort of rare movies those movies don't really do well anyway but it's like mm -hmm. it's for me it's not it's not so intense at least these two just yet were where i've had to protect myself i'm probably so sociopathic anyway or i feel that way that like <laughs> as soon as the camera stops rolling i'm like anyway what's everybody doing for dinner because um, <laughs> it's so ridiculous and so at least in the case of wounded fawn very stylized and felt just kind of fun and for the most part kind of ramps to the sam raimi-esque like evil dead sort of a, a world as opposed to i don't know something far darker and more bleak part of that has to do too with just how the, the film set is run more so than like the actual stuff i'm doing if i were playing jeffrey dahmer like there's this guy evan peters Ooh. who just played him in mm. this amazing netflix show um that no child should ever see i watched uh, it <laughs> oh my god you did okay yo the places he had to go would be way tougher i think yeah. for me because it's that there there comes that thing of like grounded serial killer grounded 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 how how normal can i make it feel even when he's just like kissing the there's a scene where he's like kissing a mannequin 
and he's so treating it so realistically that's even tough and your whole i know and it's icky and the whole crew is watching and the whole and the mm. place you have to go there is probably and never beaters talks about this about how dark it was for him and how hard it was for him and how i think grateful he was for his kind of supportive crew and such that i haven't done yet i probably would like to do something like that someday but that might be a little too much i kind of like more the joe dante <laughs> kind of world but but I'm I'm open to whatever. I mean, I didn't expect the wounded fawn to happen. So no, because I love the description. Um, Patrick Bateman set at the Evil Dead cabin, which is such a awesome description because it's like a it's a be- actually beautiful visualization of like a nightmare. I would say. Yeah, I think it is. It's all Travis and also like the Greek mythology and everything. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Okay, now we can jump to the next topic. So uh, for for happier like things. No, yeah, we've we've gone deep. Who knows? This could be. So when in Dahmer, did you like the part when? And Zakia Zakia has thoughts about we we've had whole long discussions about Dahmer actually. We were interviewing these other podcasters. We were talking about it, and guess how long our episode for that? Guess how long the episode was? It was literally one hour and forty five minutes. Yes, basically. <laughs> so like, that's a meaty one. That's a long time to be talking about Jeff Dahmer. It was also our longest episode. So, wow. Yeah. All right. I'm going to find it and look for it. So, there's a Kindergeist Dahmer episode. Is that what you're talking about? Well, we kind of talk about it a lot in the episode that we were talking about, like, their move, like what we're doing with you, but we just talked about Dahmer a lot. Amazing. Okay. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Now jumping into Werewolves Within, the film you directed. Congrats, by the way, on getting a theater Thank you so much. in South Korea recently. Woohoo. Um, Busan. I wanted this to be my generation's gremlins. When were you making the film? Like, when you were making the film, did you have uh, this in mind? Like, on what this might, like, how this might appeal to kids, though? This is a, this is a topic I'm very curious about. Zakia, before I answer, did you as a kid, I mean, did you as a kid kind of watch and go like, wow, I want to put this on every every year? Like, oh, that was pretty good. Maybe, I don't know. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll remember that one, but I don't need to watch it again. Like, does it, does it feel like kind of one that you, I don't know, that, that you think about or that you might want to show other kids? It was just like, oh, it's kind of an adult movie. Like, some jokes I didn't get. Did it feel like a kid's, mm-hmm. like a kid's gateway horror um, in a way? Yeah, I think so. I feel like definitely it could appeal to kids in general. Um, it's really, I feel like, especially with sub movies, like I always talk about this, Coraline. Like, Coraline mm-hmm. is the gateway, I feel like, to me. I don't mm-hmm. know. It kind of just scarred me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think w- what I wanted it to be was originally like, Fargo by way of Amblin, like like a Coen Brothers movie that looks like an old Amblin movie because the Coen Brothers part of it is like the characters are kind of eccentric and it should be a little violent and kind of weird, a little like obscure, but it should look like Spielberg shot it kind of in the 80s. You know, we wanted these kind of anamorphic lenses and tableau shots and wonders and stuff. That was that was the kind of move. And then the I think it evolved into something that felt like we got a lot of comparisons to Clue and a lot mm-hmm. of comparisons to Tremors, like two movies that I love, um, especially as a kid. Like I'd watch those movies all the time. Um, really accessible, you know, comedy and, and horror film. 
Yeah, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm so proud of it because what's happening now is you're seeing people of all ages sort of go like, this is going to be my winter, my yearly winter watch. Like when it gets cold, I want to, I want to watch like a snowy, you know, who done it mm. or whatever with a little bit of, a little bit of horror to it. Um, that's been really exciting to see. So it's exciting to know that any, that any kids of any age are watching it. Cause this would have been one that I would have stumbled upon as a kid and gone and just kind of been like, Ooh, you know, so that's very biased of me to say it, but um, I'd like to think that. <laughs> I notice that people tend to, well, parents mostly, they'll be like, oh, children's horror movies need to be so safe and like this. But kids, kids like a little bit of like that or a lot of that scare factor to where it traumatizes us because we find it, you know, exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like, um, I feel like in, a, in, in the way that we sometimes will talk to ourselves like in the shower, like have an argument with ourselves or with someone in our life, or we'll be on a walk and we'll like, you know, start arguing with that imaginary person. It's almost like a survival tactic. And that's, I think why horror is so beloved. Especially when we get to see an underdog survive an impossible situation. That's always, mm -hmm. that's always super fun too. Or in this case, you know, a really nice, like non troublemaker type person, <laughs> which I consider all of us to be. I don't know about Zakia, but, um, no, wait, my, uh, but but um you just uh yeah i think that's that's why it's so enjoyable at least at least for me would you ever want to make like a, a horror movie specifically for kids yeah absolutely <laughs> it have to be the right one i mean um i i there's a couple of properties that i've sort of been exploring and ideas i've been exploring but i i really really would would like to mm -hmm. figure would like to figure that out yeah i think that'd be wonderful just because you know um uh, that that was where I my love of horror began, you know, when I was probably mm -hmm. even younger than than Yuzakia. So, uh, but of course, it was with it was with kind of uh, uh, with like Freddy Krueger, who was basically a cartoon character to me back then. So, <laughs> so if I could do something that's a little more appropriate than Freddy, I think that'd be awesome. My neighbor would dress up as Freddy Krueger, and he's like this. I don't want to be uh, mean, but he's like uh, kind of old. <laughs> Um, he's growing still older. He's <laughs> younger now, but he would dress up as Freddy Cougar every Halloween, and I would be scared to go out to go trick or treating because I usually go trick or treating with my neighbors, and I would be so scared yeah. to go out. And he would like go behind trees, and I would be so scared. Yeah, maybe not something like that would be okay. Yeah, something less Freddy Cougar for the kids. I <laughs> I totally get it. Very scary. The face. Oh no! It scars yeah, me for life. <laughs> uh, we ask our uh, guests these three questions at the end every time. Um, okay. So, what children's horror movie or TV shows would you recommend to our audience? Ooh, children's horror movie or TV show? I could recommend. There used to be a show. Uh, I don't know where you can find it, but I'm sure that you can. Called "Are You Afraid of the Dark." Yeah, that that's was my favorite. I don't know. I know they made a newer one. I don't know if the newer one's any good. I haven't seen it, but the original one that used to be on mm -hmm. SNCC, it was on Nickelodeon. That was the show that I loved so, so much uh, as a kid. I, I looked forward like crazy to seeing it. And, and they, they're pretty spooky. Um, mm -hmm. But Are You Afraid of the Dark was awesome. Um, and then a kids, a kids movie. I mean, the closest kids movie that I can recommend, I think kids should see gremlins. 
um, even though it kind of pushes the the horror a little bit and there's some like some intense stuff. I think that's one that like people should, you know, let their say not nine years old and up mature kids uh, gather around and watch because it's a nice family story. It's got cute little critters. It's got some kind of intense moments, but I think, you know, once it, y'all can push through and then afterwards, you know, you can hold a real, uh, not a real gizmo. I mean, I wish, but hold like a toy gizmo <laughs> or hold a toy spike and, um, you know, like enjoy the, enjoy the merch. I think that's a really good gateway. I think a really crucial gateway one, a little less intense would be ghostbusters, I think is an awesome one. And some people wouldn't consider it to be horror, but I think it, it's definitely a gateway. Um, a gateway movie, Ghostbusters, Beetlejuice. Those were huge for me. Ooh, Beetlejuice mm-hmm. is so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, didn't we yeah. go, didn't we like talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark? And that's actually the the episode that we discussed Dahmer in. Two birds with one stone. <laughs> yeah. Wait, maybe he was interviewed no, from, by them because they're podcasters too, remember? They're the oh, ones wait, did, that. Yeah, did you talk to Stephen Sean of Mostly Horror? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, they, they were on our podcast, yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Yes, I did talk to them. They were, they were great. Oh, well, now I'll definitely have to chase it down. Yeah, no, I'll send it to you so you don't have to chase it. <laughs> Please do, yeah, then I'll scroll and start. <laughs> what advice would you give kids who want to be a multi-hyphenate like you? Ooh, advice to give kids who want to be a multi-hyphenate like me? Well, right now... Uh, kids of all ages, all the way up to driving age, 16, maybe even 21. Um, just do anything and do whatever, like do whatever excites you. Like for me, it was theater. Uh, I wanted to do kids theater. I was a little nervous to do it, but like I did youth theater when I was a kid and that like scratched a lot of itches for me. Um, when I didn't like, I knew I didn't like sports. My parents proposed theater and I went for theater um and i also picked up a video camera and made videos with my friends and i also whatever would go like putt-putting i love to you know go to the driving range and go like just kind of do do everything and hang out you know listen to music explore stuff you're still kind of sponging so you know for any any multi-hyphenate the best thing you can do is just kind of do it all do whatever excites you you want to go to the aquarium go to the aquarium. Do you want to make your own clothes out of garbage bags? Like just try doing that. If you like <laughs> that, maybe you'll be a wardrobe designer. I mean, truly just like start experimenting and, you know, hopefully parents won't get upset that I just encourage to use up all the, all the, the flex, um, flex plus, uh, hefty bags, but, um, or glad, I guess is the brand, but anyway, that's not important. Uh, do it all, do everything you can. And then you'll start to, you'll start to whittle down, um, what you want to do with your, with your life and career. Amazing advice. Thank you for that. You're no, welcome. No, I love that answer because it encourages like play and being a kid versus um, I notice like uh, the generation now they're so focused on being professionals and like forgetting how to like have fun and like just make mistakes. And I, well, I mean, as a collective, you work really hard, actually. Yeah, you you're a workaholic. So yeah, do you feel like you forget to play? Do you feel like you have to like put aside some time? Just like I'm just gonna be a kid now. Yeah, like I've noticed something that I feel like over like I feel that the when COVID hit, the pandemic hit. That's when I just stopped being like a kid. Yeah, I feel yeah. 
but now, you know, Hey, now, now, now we're coming out of it and you can get, get back to it. Get on that bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Lastly, um, do you have anything to plug and where can people find you on social media? Well, I have a graphic novel that should be published, uh, my guess is by the summer 2023. It's called Darla and it's kind of an homage to, um, Tales from the Crypt, like the HBO show that another show that I just love, uh, just in sort of tone. Um, and that's with Invader Comics and a, a great illustrator you might love named uh, Brianna Tippett's Bree Tippett's on Instagram. And, uh, you can find me. I just uh, <clears throat> I just canceled my Twitter. I feel great about it. I left Twitter. <laughs> no big deal. But I'm on Instagram. Um, just my name at Josh Rubin and uh, and Josh's Mindhouse.com. That's my website where I put everything, pictures and news and all that stuff. Yay! Yay. Oh my gosh, my voice started like getting so weird <clears throat> towards the end. You sound <laughs> operatic. <laughs> It's like been Not that part. five episodes <laughs> with my with my voice and my nose be congested. It's not good. No, uh, yeah, you gotta go go take get some rest. No more mm-hmm. workaholicking. I have some things to do, but um, I'm trying to keep myself busy because I have nothing else to do. I'm trying to finish Hemingway um for my English class. Oh yeah, so Fun. pretty long. I've heard of him. Yeah, the long one. He's a cool dude. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Got a beard, loves to hunt, very terse. Right. Mm-hmm. So, thank you so much, Josh, for taking the time to speak with us. It was amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I was when um, Sean and Steve told us about you and like how you're uh, accepting podcast, like interviews, podcasts, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, kind of eh, like, if he's actually going to like go on to the show, like, I don't, I think he's too busy, <laughs> and I think that he's too like. Cool. I'm no Zakia. I'm just I'm just Josh. I'm you know I'm not that busy. I'm not that cool. You're I'm surprised cool. you had the time for me. I have time for all my guests. Yeah, it was uh, like girl. obviously very pleasure to speak with you and I'm so grateful that we were able to speak with you. I don't know if I could say what I can't really read my aunt's mind of how she's feeling right now, but what do I have like a negative face on my face? <laughs> no, she like, carried you oh, down. God, I hope she's grateful. No, it was wonderful. Like I mean, I've like like I said, I very much admire your work and like the way you do horror comedy and you as a person is so fun in general. So I thought it's lovely for like the kids to listen to you and I just think your answers are so like uh, respectful of them and encouraging. So, yes, thank you so much. Thank you. I feel like a, a big kid, kid at heart, as much as uh, I probably should should grow up. Um, I, I yeah, I love I love kids. Got a lot of nieces and nephews, and still feel like mm. like I need to grow up a little bit. So I'm I'm very very happy, especially to to do the the kinder guys. <laughs> oh, that's so funny <laughs> well thank you so much thank you so much thank really you thank you so thank much you. For, for having me both of you it's such a pleasure thank you so much for listening to today's podcast subscribe to this and add us on instagram twitter and tiktok all you have to do is search up kindergeist podcast remember you are loved you're a baddie and remember to always live on the fright side bye